Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to those who donate to the show at japanbyrivercruise.com. And due to the generosity of our corporate sponsors, this week we have a message from Jido Kaiketsu Kabashikigaisha. There's never been a better time to get into the vending machine placement business. COVID is basically over, so people are leaving the house more. The weekend ozone layer is driving up demand for cold drinks, and we've bought more stock of Pakari Sweat than we know how to store, because we know that Olympians will want a lot of it. Ka-ching! Sure, you might be concerned that the sale of single-use plastic bottles might turn most modern consumers away from your very own automatic money generator, but don't worry. All Jidokai Ketsu vending machines come with persuasive new interactive display screens that will alert customers each time a new coal power plant opens up in China, and will happily show you exactly how many years ago it would have to be for your customers' individual conservation efforts to make any difference whatsoever. Plus, all of our plastic bottles are made extra large, which means that if they start showing up in fish stomachs, it's basically the fish's fault. So sign up with us today and make a little profit by becoming a little part of the problem. Because hey, it's already too late anyway. Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Alice, St. Lucian-born Tokyo resident who splits her time between her work as a dancer, maid cafe employee, and Twitter shit poster. Alice, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. On this week's show, we'll talk to Alice about the state of Japanese nightlife post-corona and why the government set official reopening date of 19th June 2021 might not be realistic, if only because many nightlife venues never actually shut down to begin with. Plus, instead of Ollie's weekly River Cruise recommendation, he's got a special feature for us this time. Ollie? Yes, Bobby. Given that our guest this week, Alice, was a Coyote Ugly dancer, I'll be looking back this week on the maiden and final voyage of the Coyote Ugly River Cruise in Fukuoka, reflecting on whether encouraging their signature table dancers to dance on the bow of the boat was inevitably going to lead to serious injury. And those who are monthly members of the podcast on buymeacoffee.com are able to watch the video report where I report on what I've learnt about boat buoyancy and passenger movement, demonstrating my vessel safety considerate version of the slut drop. Which is a thing you actually have to produce now. Also, one lucky co-host just put down a $1,400 down payment on a used riverboat. Thanks, Uncle Joe. More on that later in the show. But first, Soap Talk. Brian, anything you'd like to talk about this week? No, thanks. Fine, then. Uh, Ollie, did you hear that the Tokyo Olympic creative director took your idea? Uh, what, the, um, the the pig thing? Pig in Japan? <laughs> That's correct. This is the Olympic. It's arguably, it's arguably a worse play on words than my show, Pig in Japan, Olympic. It doesn't, it only works if you think in katakana. And even then, it only barely works. I feel really bad because uh, when in trying to look up the details of the Olympic story, I found that there's actually a book called Olympic, an English language book published in 2012 um, by a woman named Victoria Jamison that seems to be about a pig Olympian. And it's been totally overshadowed by the story in the news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really bad for her. Alice, did you see this story? Uh, yeah, actually, it's the first thing I saw when I woke up and checked Twitter this morning. Yeah, it's all over. Tokyo Olympics official resigns after calling plus-size celebrity Olympic. 
Okay, so he has resigned at least. That's that's changed because before he didn't. So Naomi Watanabe is she's one of the most famous comedians in Japan, isn't in she? Japan. She's so recognizable. Yeah. She's on she's on poster campaigns for loads of different brands. Uh and she's great, yeah, great she's plus dancer. Size. Yeah, yeah, just full of energy, right? And hilarious and and funny and expressive and fantastic. And their idea was the for the Olympic ceremony. Which also, let's just set the context. This idea is tragic. Imagine this idea with no one watching it. Uh, <laughs> the idea was she would fly in as a like, as a pig, descend from the, the sky idea. in a pig costume. In a yeah. pig costume. Yeah. Why? So, so this wasn't. I guess it wasn't an official meeting or anything. This came up. Uh, I think I heard it came up during a line conversation, and it was just an idea that he randomly threw out. And said, well, what if we had her uh, descend uh, from the sky as as a character, the Olympic? Um, and the other people in the, in the conversation, one woman responded, yeah, that doesn't really do it for me. And then other people were instantly like, this is inappropriate to compare a woman to a pig. It's, it's, not, it's not nice, is it? And has she given a comment? Yeah, she has. She said that she was surprised to hear the news. And she said that... Um, she is happy with who she is in her body. Oh, that's all there is to it, really. Yeah. And uh, you know, who's who, who's to say they can't use her in another way? Uh, not not, not <laughs> descending. <laughs> descend. Excuse me. In, in a good way. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm talking about maybe one of there's got to be another way they could exploit her. Is what Ali's trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> there's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she's a female in the entertainment industry. There's got to there's got to be more ways in which she can be shafted institutionally. Well, Definitely. this is just funny to me because it, it's showing that the Olympic opening ceremony is just going to be another opportunity for Japan to display to the world how awful it's doing on all fronts. Yeah. Like the Olympics in general. <laughs> and, and also, why are they planning this now? A bit late. Uh, exactly. I can tell you away. exactly why they're planning it now because every planning email that went out up until now was like, yeah, it's not going to happen anyway, so let's talk about it later. And to think the world couldn't <laughs> think that Mario Abe was was like as bad as it got yeah yeah it started with it started with mario abe and they could have avoided all of this offensive stuff and gotten the same result if they had just suggested uh kirby instead of a pig <laughs> right yeah true um, yeah well look but the, the, whether the olympics are happening uh or not and they're not uh it seems almost inevitable that there's not going to be the influx of foreigners on uh, on japanese nightlife and that's what we're going to be talking about this week what is the nightlife scene in Japan going to be like post-corona? Has it even changed much during corona? But I suppose we can't really talk about this issue without uh, without addressing the, the news this week. Yeah. Which is that, you know, nightlife and the sex industries, they have a lot of overlap, particularly in in Japan. Um, and we ought to just take a moment to reflect on, on, on the murders this week. Well, I mean, it's it, they're racist and misogynistic killings yes it was the perfect intersection of of racism and misogyny wasn't mm -hmm. it yeah and all of the reporting that's going on again right now seems to be sympathetic to uh the murderer and not to the victim and i think the police chief came out and said you know this was something that this guy had a really bad day and this is how he dealt with it uh and then i've seen so many people on twitter arguing that it's not racist because the suspect has been saying that it's not racially motivated Every person he targeted was an Asian woman. Every business he targeted was uh, a business where Asian women were working. And to me, it's like it's like it's like saying yes, every every porn DVD I own is man on man, but this is not about my sexuality. <laughs> it's it's yeah, right. clearly that's what was doing it. I, and I found it so fascinating to see. I watched that video of the police chief saying that, 
Because I remember I studied a little bit of criminology and looking at why it's so common that uh, if someone wants to go on a killing spree, why often, particularly in the UK as well, they'll target sex workers and normally female sex workers. And it's because in the back of their mind, it's that they're institutionally protected by the police. They know that the police don't see these people as, as worthy of protecting on an equal level. And uh, and to see the police chief essentially do that, essentially start to, to reason with the killer and to start explaining away his, his crimes almost, or, or he didn't go as far as justifying them, but kind of rationalising them. And I'm obviously not the first to point out that if the killer didn't look and sound like he does, the police would be making no such efforts. Alice, what was your take? Um, Just the fact that they're trying to explain it away as not a hate crime was... Um, not really surprising at all because the entirety of the victims can be of the exact same demographic and the guy can be literally shouting, kill all Asians, I'm going to kill some Asians and they'll still be like, no, it wasn't racially motivated. He's not a racist. He was just having a bad day. It was just an accident that he killed people from the exact same, like, background. Yeah. So it's unsurprising and in- but still incredibly disappointing. Yeah, it's not surprising. We've seen similar arguments, similar untenable arguments before. But I think what disappoints me the most is how many people are willing to go along with it and and believe it. And, you know, on the one hand, you can say everybody he targeted was Asian. But on the other hand, you can say everybody who's saying just because he targeted Asians doesn't mean that's racist is exclusively white. Like I haven't seen anybody not white trying to make that argument. Well, it seemed remiss to do an episode on Nightlife without uh, without mentioning this, but it is somewhat outside the purview of our show. Uh, my personal hope is that we start talking about the victims and their families more than the murderers uh, in, whenever this happens. Yeah, and there are things that you can do to support um, sex workers in the U.S. and and you know organizations that work to fight misogyny or racism or sexism. Uh, we'll put some links in the show notes. Um, do not put a yellow square on your Facebook profile, please. Do not <laughs> is that do a that. Thing? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no, it, it totally is. It was a real thing. I think they, I think they got on it real fast. But um, <laughs> let's let's support support people in real ways. Yeah, and with that, let's jump into the news. The Japan Times reports, in landmark case, Japan court rules failure to recognize same-sex marriage unconstitutional, but declines to award plaintiffs a million yen in damages, in a kind of good news, bad news ruling. The good news? The plaintiffs and others like them are now likely to be rightfully granted some long overdue human rights. The bad news? They'll have to find another way to pay for their wedding. Our own JBRC Press Club correspondents have followed up on the story. Yes, that's right. At My Two Yen interviews a claimant who celebrates the right for same-sex couples to enter into a loveless marriage of convenience just like any other Japanese couple. And reporter at Mr. Peter Sadell looks at how legally this is a landmark decision, but culturally, it's not that big a step to get to same-sex marriage from the same old sex marriages most Japanese couples are currently in. If you'd like to join the JBRC Press Club, follow us on Twitter at JBRCPod for next week's assignment. Right, Alice, it's very helpful that you are a native British English speaker, which is the main English, and also fluent in Japanese, <laughs> and also know everything there is to know about Japanese nightlife, because this uh, topic is just full of fools and me. Um, and do you speak you speak French and English as well, right? Uh, no, we right? speak Quill, which is very similar to French. Mm. Okay, well, I showed off with the word fools and me. Ollie would also like to know whether or not you went to Oxford. <laughs> which one? Me or, me or Ollie? <laughs> 
all all that uh, all that I wanted to say was, and it's, I've taken it's taken me a long time to get there. Is there are some words which like are in Japanese that sound like we know what they mean, but they're not right. Like yeah. for example, you could see the word snack on the outside of a shop and yeah, think, a snack oh, bar. that's nice. But actually, if you want to get snacks, you want to go Seven Eleven. If you want to speak to a lady in her fifties who treats you nicely, actually, you can get. There are some Seven Elevens which have really nice cashiers. So <laughs> not not the clean distinction I thought it was. So Alice, can you give us a rundown? Okay, so first of all, we've got the regular girls bar, which um, so there are girls behind the bar and they are paid to talk to you, and you can buy them drinks. Mm-hmm. And then one step up from the girls bar is a hostess club. Hostess clubs predominantly, you will um, buy your own bottle and you'll drink from the same bottle every time you go. And there will be girls who are now allowed to sit next to you. They're not behind the bar. Um, they can sit next to you and you can buy them drinks. And um, basically, it's very expensive. Then a step up from that again is kyabakura, where um, it's very, very similar to a hostess club in the way that a lot of us actually can't tell the difference. But generally, you just buy um, individual drinks. You don't have to buy your own bottle, but you can definitely buy champagne, which will set you back a massive amount of yen. And again, the girls will sit next to you and they will talk to you. Another step up from that is the Ichakyaba or the Sekukyaba, where there is a um, like five minutes every maybe half hour, every hour or so, where the girls will uh, get their titties out and sit on your lap and you can touch them. And then another step up from that would probably be like straight mm-hmm. sex work which is um salt plans are the places where you can go and uh i don't know how how um explicit i'm allowed to get on this show but uh salt plant is the highest level of um of like sex um like the sex industry so that's where you will go if you actually want to have penetrative sex which is by the way illegal illegal but that's where you go to do it if you were gonna do it not that you're allowed to. But anyway. And then there's Dediheru, where you can um, order the girls to your room, but you're not allowed to have penetrative sex with them. They will uh, do other things for you, though. And then there is a pink salon, where generally they'll just use kind of like their hands or their mouth. And there isn't a shower there, so you're not allowed to get too, uh, too oily. The difficult thing with the terms for me is that, like, sometimes some of them have multiple uses. Like, you could say snack to refer to one of these clubs, or you could also say snack to refer to actual snacks, and Japanese people would get it. But a word like hostess is only ever used in the context of a hostess bar or a hostess club. You wouldn't say like the hostess of a party or at a restaurant. And when I was teaching English and I didn't know this, I did this really embarrassing lesson with my class where we were trying to recreate like um, an English-speaking restaurant. And the exercise were for the kids to act like they were an English-speaking restaurant. And I was the waiter and they were the customer and then I slapped a name tag on their teacher that said hostess. <laughs> Did they clown you? No, they all like everybody got really awkward. They all got really awkward and really uncomfortable and I didn't understand it until she like told me after the class like we can't do this lesson this way again. <laughs> Especially cuz she committed, right? She was really flirting. <laughs> so I I've I've um I've got quite a few friends who have worked as a hostess and I and I understand that it's it's completely off limits to do anything sexual and sometimes it's like, by by the way Ali that's exactly the same as like a lot of the strippers really like me <laughs> they're not your friends Ali they are not your friends well this is what I wanted to ask Alice when they tell me I'm different do they mean it yes they do and they've only ever said it to you as well they've never said it to anyone else Okay, that's nice. Uh, no, but I do. I even I even dated someone who who worked as a hostess, and I believed how her. How much money did was... you pay each date? <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> but basically, right, the majority of this work is like a lot of people get into it, and the majority of people are working in a in a non sexual capacity. But huh. 
they are kind of like they're, they're dressing up and you know wearing uh fit like not necessarily revealing dresses but flattering dresses mm-hmm. and basically being paid to flirt and yes. in my view right that's not that different really to how like nightclubs in the uk are set up which is that there'll be specials for women to go in early or like ladies night or free drinks where like the, the appeal of these places is not that these men are thirsty for a drink they're thirsty for something else and so japan's just found different ways of like providing that same product but just with various different layers of euphemism and innuendo right hmm. And I mean, there's another um, like kind of aspect to it. So if a bunch of guys from the same company, they're going out for drinks after work, it's kind of good for them to go to a place where the girls are paid to l- make them have fun and like kind of, um, you know, like hype up the conversation. Like it's actually really good for these groups of guys who otherwise wouldn't really be able to have that kind of communication with attractive girls. Like it kind of, mm. it puts them all in a really good mood. So it's not just to kind of give them the illusion of being available or something like that. Sometimes it's also just to kind of hype everybody up and just make everyone have a good time. Right. And and when you've done this kind of work, do you, like, is that what you see as your main job? Like you're successful if they've had a conversation and they've let their personality shine in a way that they wouldn't have done unless you were there? Um, I'm successful if I'm making bare cash. I don't really understand the question. <laughs> well, I think I think Ali, Ali has this um, assumption that a lot of us do that maybe Hostess Club might be in some way connected to Japan's history and culture in terms of like geisha culture, that it's not somebody who's strictly there as eye candy or as a sexual object it's somebody who facilitates conversation and is supposed to be worldly and contribute as a companion to the atmosphere Hmm, I agree and also disagree because all of the top earners I've ever met in all the clubs I've worked at have all been the most attractive girls really and then also there's a lot of men who will come and they want you to be inferior to them so if you have a better university education than they do you are not going to have a good time you're not going to have a good conversation with them. So a lot of the time they would yeah. you need to put yourself down a little bit. But at the same time if you're boring as hell, then they're not going to pay for you to have a drink and they're not going to they're not going to request you to sit next to them. When you when you talk about like the men want you to be inferior or they want you to be a certain way, it occurred to me that um it might be kind of like akin to working at a restaurant like Hooters or someplace in the West where even though you're not providing sex services, there's an expectation that you'll put up with more of a sexualized work environment than would be appropriate or expected at other kinds of workplaces. Is that fair? Yes, absolutely. You can't com- – if somebody like makes a pass at you or makes a comment on your body that you would not forgive if you were like working at Starbucks and they came in and said the same thing to you you are kind of expected to kind of put up with it because it's just part of the job because I mean if you're wearing a dress with a low with like showing a lot of cleavage men are going to comment on it and you're in the hostess club you're in like that kind of um and you're in that kind of industry so you are if you go through a whole day without being sexually harassed it's a very good day there's not nearly the same proliferation of these kinds of clubs in the West that there are in Japan. And so I'm wondering, like, what do you think is the reason that Japanese men need this kind of club? Hmm. So, like, I mean, I guess in the UK, it would be absolutely, like, unbelievable to go and pay money for a girl to talk to you. Like, you can't even t- you can't even squeeze a titty. You cannot do anything and you're still paying, like, mad money for it. So it's unbelievable for us. But over here, I guess... um. <laughs> 
It's unbelievable that you can't even squeeze a titty. You cannot even <laughs> squeeze a titty. I would never pay that. Anyway, so I think there's a lot of um, like shyness that I think we're all kind of used to in Japan, where a lot of men, especially men who are kind of past it, they can't go up to a girl in a bar because she won't give them the time of day, and they know that. And so that means that they kind of have to go to a hostess club and get that kind of attention there. There are some men, obviously, who misunderstand and truly believe that this girl is interested in them. And that's just a whole other can of worms. But I think um, also in, I think it kind of probably does date back to um, like female entertainers just mm. letting men have a good time and making them feel good about themselves. Because I feel personally that there are two different types of... Um, customers in there's probably much more but in my experience i've met these two types there's the guys who uh their wives don't really like them and they just want to feel like they're important and then there's the guys who are having a bad time at work and they're like their bosses are mean to them and they're not really treated like they're very good and they want to go and treat someone else like trash so they come to um a hostess club because the girls there they believe are completely below them so they can just kind of show their entire ass and no one's going to get mad what did you say the first type of guy was uh their wives don't like them ah we call those people stand-up comedians in english guys sorry to interrupt i'm gonna have to take off early okay thanks brian and so these clubs provide such an important service that they've stubbornly remained open during the pandemic, partly because a lot of these nighttime establishments didn't get the government handouts. Like I was yeah. actually speaking to a friend who owns a bar who said that because of, I think it's 50,000 yen a day they get if they remain closed. He mm. said sometimes the government subsidy is actually more than he would take on certain on certain weeknights. So and he's just, like really enjoying yeah. the 50,000 is subsidies. like $500. Yes, which for a small bar, you know, you might not, you might not take that on a Tuesday night, right? Mm. Uh, but uh, a lot of these clubs have had to kind of go even more secretive and even more underground. Alice, what's your experience been? So at the moment in Japan, they're kind of um, scapegoating restaurants and cafes and stuff like that. But at the beginning, right. it was the night industry immediately. They were like, mm. it's hostess clubs, you're sitting next to girls and it's like, it's not good, you're all like breathing the same air. So they scapegoated the night industry immediately. And that meant that the customers who were coming every day, all of a sudden, not even huffed, like there was maybe 80% less customers coming every day. And the club that I was working at ended up um, completely going out of business due to that. So a lot of these clubs are still open by the skin of their teeth, honestly, because there are just not enough customers anymore. And now that everything has to close by eight, um, I went to a different place. I started working in a Japanese hostess club as the only foreigner, and they went out of business in December. I was only there for ah. maybe three months. So... A lot of them are staying open and kind of just going under the radar and maybe they'll become members only or they're just um, accepting their customers that they already know. Um, but honestly, so many places have gone out of business completely, not because they're hiding from the government, but just because people aren't going anymore. They're too scared. Yeah, I remember uh, all the blame that happened around these hostess clubs and particularly uh, hostess clubs and host clubs as well as mm. like nightlife spots, as super spreading spots. And I remember even uh, when they had a new infection that they couldn't trace it. They reported all of these like untraceable cases of infection. The assumption was that they were untraceable because the person who was infected didn't want to admit to having been to uh, a hostess club or to some yes, kind of like exactly. sex work service. I mean, if they are found, if they end up having corona and they know that they got it from a hostess club, their company is going to know, their wife and the kids are going to know. A lot of people just won't 
even like say that they've been to one and then because of that a lot of people don't come anymore because um most of them used to come after work and they would come with their colleagues from work and a lot of the companies have actually said you're not allowed to go to hostess clubs anymore like at all so they generally yeah. aren't gonna disobey their companies i think a lot of listeners are going to find it difficult to place exactly what people think about hostess clubs you know certainly from a from a british point of view is there any equivalent to a kind of place which like Everyone knows that you that a lot of people go and it's kind of it's accepted. You know, these places aren't hidden away. They're in like big main streets. Yeah. In in any other place, going to a place like this after work would be totally inappropriate. Yeah. I mean, Mm. I I can't imagine like saying to a a business colleague, hey, I'm raising a VC fund. Do you want to meet for lunch at three at Hooters? Uh, That that happens in America, though. Like, you know, you take your clients to the strip club. Oh, I suppose that I suppose that's true. But but like is it is it a certain class of people that goes to a hostess club because like you need a lot of money to go I presume right so um, I, I'm just I'm just trying to trying to work out what what level of shame does the do the customers <laughs> have what, zero what, and I suppose the same question for for the people who work there as well right you know do girls say that they work as hostesses or do they make up another job see that's the difference though because men can go to hostess clubs and they're like oh well you know they're men they're gonna go to hostess clubs like a lot of um wives don't even see it as they don't see it as being unfaithful. They don't see it as cheating if their husbands go to even like the sex work. If they don't, if they go to like a uh, soap plant, they're like, oh well, it's not cheating because yeah. he's paying for it. So there's this kind of idea that men are gonna do it anyway. So it's like, oh yeah, what can you do? But girls who are working in the industry are dirty and the underbelly of society. So that's the um, two it's sides huge of the coin. Double standard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And for someone like you, as a non-Japanese person, I'm imagining that like you are a hot product i imagine like they, they market you hard and there's like there's a niche because there can't be many people like you working in the industry there are a lot of foreign hostess clubs they're mostly um mm, they are mostly washed up eastern european ex-models who uh probably were very beautiful when they were in their 20s but now they're not so um that's the main demographic so when i was at my club i was the only one under 25 and i was making a killing Oh, also, what about uh, Filipino pubs? Filipino pub is another term. Mm, yes. Is it? Um, yeah, yeah Filipino there, are Filipi- there are just Filipino girls working there. I think they might have showtime. I have no idea, though. I have no friends in that industry, and I've never been in one. We'll follow up on your problem with Filipino people later. <laughs> yeah, they're nice people. Also very good singers as well. What's not to love? Um, so, so thinking about the future of, of this kind of industry, and inevitably it's going to bounce back, right? We Plenty hope. of places are still hanging on by their teeth. And, you know, all the people that aren't going presumably are still going to go uh, when the curfew is lifted. Yeah, the demand is still there. Right. How do you imagine this industry evolving? Because it seems, particularly what you mentioned earlier about the kind of inbuilt misogyny, this is predicated on a kind of power structure which a lot of people are trying to eradicate. This idea of kind of serv- servitude and, you know, men are paying for women to behave in a certain way. Can you imagine this kind of work evolving in a way that it's more compatible with a modern japan no um yeah that was um that's a really good question with a lot of really good points like really strong points and i do completely agree with you but i absolutely do not think that there is a way that this 
um, industry can even exist without that kind of power imbalance. Mm. I can't imagine. I mean, the reason that it's here is because misogyny. The reason that we're even here is because men want to talk to a pretty girl, but they don't want her to be too intelligent. And they also want her to kind of like lift her lift them up with the conversation so they want them they want these girls to praise them they want to have this idea that maybe if they spend enough money then she'll sleep with them at the end of it like it's that kind of illusion of availability mm. i don't think that that would exist without an idea that women are consumables so um it would be hmm, i mean i want to say that it would be nice if japan could uh maybe move away so much from being such a patriarchal society but at the same time if it wasn't such a patriarchal society i wouldn't have made the bags of money that i made i'm like i'm gonna come across as like really 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 up myself but like hostessing is such a good and like lucrative industry if you are female and it's kind of like it's empowering in a way because you are getting these men to give you their money but they still think that you're below them, which is actually hilarious. Mm. So, like, you just let them believe that, but you still take their money. So, at the end of the day, you're the one that's kind of laughing. But um, yeah. I, realistically, I really don't think that there is a future in hostessing or in the night industry in Japan to, to begin with where it's moved away from that kind of power imbalance. Well, it's absolutely a world of paradoxes and it's right at home in Japan, which is a country of paradoxes. Um, I think I remember seeing somebody talking about, you know, one of the issues that whenever we talk about hostess clubs or sex work, one of the issues that we should be talking about is how come that is the only lucrative financial opportunity for women in Japan. There are no mm. other lucrative financial opportunities. And also, you know, whenever we talk about people who patronize hostess clubs or people who patronize sex workers, you hear from sex workers that it's the customers, it's the people who patronize them that have the worst opinions and treat women the worst. That is the truth. It's like you really are trying to use the service, but also completely dehumanize and talk absolute bare smack about the people who are providing the service that you asked for in the beginning. Some of these people are yeah. like... I really enjoyed working as a hostess. I mean, I work, I used to be a pole dancer. I've worked in girls bars. I've been kind of dabbling in the night industry since I arrived in Japan. I've been, that's like seven years now. But some of the people I've met, and I don't want to say that it's the people, the, the type of people that go to it, but because um, I do feel like if you are with someone who you feel is on the same level as you intellectually, you're very careful about what you say because you don't want them to think that you're an asshole. But if you're with right. someone who you think is below you and you don't care about their opinion of you, then you will say whatever you want. Ali, like are you listening, you f***ing piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you are. Take notes. So, like, obviously in Japan, patriarchal society, men are above women, women are slightly below. So, first of all, being... If you are a man and you're talking to a woman, you think that she is below you. So you kind of don't really watch what you say so much. And then night workers are even further below that. So you really don't care mm. about her opinion of you. So you can say all the worst things that you wouldn't normally say in polite company. And then if we're going to take it one step further, if she's a foreign female night worker, that's actually oh. on like the lowest you can get. So I, I want to say I would like to believe that the people that I met were just bad people. But at the same time, I kind of started thinking that this is actually the norm but they don't say it unless they're in front and unless they are in front of someone like myself who they just don't care what they think about uh, i think it also might be a little bit of a selection bias because as we've kind of talked about already 
uh, if you respect women and are able to hold a conversation with women and are not threatened by women, you might not be going to these places in the first place. True. Yeah. One of the easiest ways I've found to talk to beautiful women for a long time is just invite them on a podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 76 of Japan by River Cruise. If you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, then make sure you follow us. Not subscribe. Apple have changed their word. It now sounds creepy. We release a new show every Friday and we'd be glad to see you here each week. Thank you to our guest this week, Alice. Alice, I was going to recommend your Twitter, but I can't seem to pull it up. Uh, yes, about that. So anyone who is not Bobby Judo, feel free to um, follow me on my Twitter for shitposts and memes and maybe also my Instagram for occasional tit pics and just all around head assery. Thank you. Thanks very much, and we will see you for more headassery here next week. <laughs>